Shooters, welcome back to another episode of the Shooters Touch podcast. We are in full swing in our high school basketball season here uh, as we start to get to the middle part of January. Uh, We have a fun one for you today. We bring on new head coach at Northwest Waukee, Brett Watson. And Brett is an absolute basketball junkie. Uh, He even tells a story about getting a basketball in his crib um, at the hospital and, and things haven't changed. He, he loves the game. Um, it is something that he takes in on, a, on the daily and is thinking about and growing constantly. And um, His journey was a fun one. His story was a lot of fun. It was great to catch up with him. Uh, an absolute shooter in his own right, too. Um, just was an absolute bucket getter. 767 points his senior year. And so um, he knows a thing or two about shooting the basketball. And so it was fun to catch up with him. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, anything we can do for you, please reach out uh, as we continue to try to grow the game of, of basketball here in Iowa, one story at a time. And as always, shoot or shoot. I was getting, I'm getting a lot of no letters. And I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. It's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can ball like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Shooters, welcome back to another episode of the Shooters Touch podcast. With us today is none other than Northwest head boys basketball coach, Brett Watson. Brett, welcome to the Shooters Touch. Uh, thank you, Brian. I really appreciate being on here, and I just appreciate all that you do for Iowa high school basketball. I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast, so I'm honored to be part of one of them. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you on. It's been a little bit in the making. We keep uh, Your name keeps coming up as actually uh, a guest that we need to have on. And so we're, we're excited that uh, the time worked out uh, to be able to get you on. It's actually a big week uh, leading up. Uh, you guys go head to Ames and take on the number one uh, team in the state here coming up this weekend. How, how are everything looking for that? Yeah, it's a huge challenge for us. Um, Ames is always very well coached. I mean, that the program has a lot of history behind it. And along with that, they've got some really good players, um, not only just Tame and Lipsy, but, you know, they got wing players. They got a big guy down low. And um, it's a huge challenge for us. But, you know, we're looking forward to it. And um, bottom line is you play big games like that. You can kind of figure out, you know, some of the weaknesses you need to keep working on. And um, like I said, we'll go up there and and see what we got and and have some fun in a, a really fun environment. Yeah, absolutely. Always, always a good, uh, good test to go on the road uh, anywhere in the CIML. But obviously, when when you're facing a team of that caliber, it'll be nice to see where you guys fall. And like you said, hopefully help you here once we uh, push towards the end of February into March, um, as you guys start to set yourself up for the postseason. Um, before we get into that, how are things at home? Uh, you guys transitioning, obviously, into a new new role this year. Um, what's the home life situation like? I know you got a couple kids running around. 
Yeah, we, we've got three little ones running around. Um, my oldest um, is in third grade and um, he's on the bench for every game and, you know, he's fully invested. And what the cool part is, is just the Northwest kids, how much they've, you know, accepted him and, and made him feel like a part of the team. And um, got to get a shout off to my wife, though, is, you know, hauling those kids to, you know, we, we have an 18 month old, we have a, a four year old and. You know, like you said, it's it's the winter, it's cold, and you know, getting those kids around to all the games, I really appreciate their support, and um, it's nice to you know have a night like this where we don't have a a game where we can you know spend some time at home and you know kind of reacquaint myself with the kids. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, is a tough position, um, and any any coach's wife will share that sentiment as as far as how difficult difficult it can be getting kids everywhere they need to be, and obviously they want to be involved and be a part of everything too, and so. Always got to give a credit out to them. Um, it sounds like it's been that way in your household for a long time growing up. Um, just kind of a complete hoop junkie. Tell us a little bit about paint a picture of your childhood growing up and ultimately what role did basketball play as, as a young child? Well, I, I can start from uh, my birthday, March 12th, 1982. Um, my dad put a basketball in my crib um, at the nursery at the hospital. And he kind of joked when we made the state tournament in 2000 um, that I haven't put the basketball down since then. And uh, we were kind of joking before here that, you know, I really don't have many hobbies other than my faith and my family. Um, I love, you know, watching basketball, reading about basketball, talking about basketball. And um, that's kind of something growing up is I was always around the game, um, you know, being very fortunate coming from Elkhorn Kimmelton um, growing up in the 90s. You know, Mitch Osborne was the head coach there and, and took numerous teams to the state tournament. Not only the boys program was good, but our girls uh, programs are always, uh, you know, at the state tournament and, you know, contending for state titles and. Uh, my dad started as a, as a youth coach um, when I was in third grade, and I think either as a sixth or seventh grade, then he became the head varsity coach. And um, so, like I said, I've been around the game all the time. And, um, you know, I was his manager sitting behind the bench. And then as a freshman, I started playing varsity and um, then, you know, followed up with college. And, and since college, I've been a coach. And so basketball has been a huge part of my life. Yeah, uh, it sounds like Jim Rat, obviously from day one, and you, as you mentioned, getting the ball in the crib. And so uh, it's paid off. I, I, I think that uh, when you take a look back, um, you know, as you continue to move throughout your career, but even in your playing days, um, just understanding the game and, and the benefits that that gave to you. Um, and obviously you were a certified bucket too. I mean, you, you scored a, a ton of points uh, back in the high school days. So take us a little bit uh, a little bit through the high school days and what it was like. You said, you, did you play all four years for your dad? I did, yeah. Um, I started as a freshman and uh, to be honest, uh, it was very difficult um, because there was a lot of um, animosity towards my dad because of me, because I started as a freshman. Um, I averaged 12 points a game, you know, second team all conference. And uh, we had a group of seniors that that weren't happy that a freshman was playing over them. And um, so my dad took a lot of gruff for that. And, you know, now, now that I've grown up as a head coach, I can just really appreciate how he really just, you know, stood for what was right and just stood for what was best for the team and what's best for the program. Um, so I learned a lot very early as a freshman um, and then, you know, sophomore year scored 26 a game and then averaged 33 both junior and senior year. And um, but it wasn't just about my scoring is, you know, just the the bond that you have in a small town with kids that you've been playing with since the third grade. Um, you know, just so many memories, you know, of Chris Peterson, Blair, Blair Paulson, Brandon Roll, Derek Nicholson. Um, Jamie Hemmingson, Seth Polber, I mean, just all those guys that you put in so much time with and 
you know, to get to the state tournament, to, to represent your community is, is just really fun uh, to look back now and all the memories you've had. So talking about that trip, uh, it would have been 2000 to the state tournament. Um, that was your only, was that the only year that you made down to the state tournament? It was, uh, if you'd asked me what was my biggest regret or if a game I could take back would be my sophomore year. Uh, my sophomore year, first round of tournaments, we played Exire, which is our huge rivals. And this is way back before they had seeding. Um, we were both, you know, had three or four losses on the year and we lost in double overtime in that game. Exire went on to the substate, blah, blah, blah. Well, I feel like if we would have won that game then possibly our sophomore year, we could have made it. Uh, my junior year, we lost in substate uh, to very hot um, Hubbard Radcliffe team. But then the senior year, we finally, you know, got over the hump and, you know, made the state tournament. And so that was kind of a fun way to, to say your last games at Vets is, is pretty special. And ran into a tough Marquette team. Is that right, Bellevue? Is that yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we played them tough, but I mean, surprisingly, they're the one team that could match up with us height wise in high school. I was six foot five, but we also had another six foot four kid, a six, eight kid. Um, so we were pretty tall for one a, but Bellevue Marquette can match our size. And um, one of our big guys got in foul trouble and it kind of went downhill from there. Yeah, but you, uh, like you said, you the, the memories that you'll always remember growing up with the kids uh, that you kind of grew up with your senior year, um, led the state in scoring 767 points. Uh, I thought I saw where you hung 54 and 47 in single game that year. So uh, uh, obviously putting the ball, putting the ball in the basket at, at, at quite the clip. Um, but once that, once that horn sounded uh, that first round, you guys got beat at, at bets. What do you remember? What were some of the emotions and feelings? Obviously, you knew you were going to go on and play, but uh, just having to move on from those buddies that you kind of spent the last four years giving everything you had. Yeah, Brian, I remember it like yesterday is, you know, you're sitting in the locker room and um, you know, you're just like, wow, just shocked that it's over. And I remember looking over and, and just seeing come my, a couple of my buddies just crying, you know, just hysterically crying. And I looked at them and, and then I did, you know, just crying because knowing that it was over. I knew, like you just mentioned that, you know, I'd keep playing. I had college basketball to look forward to, but you know, all those buddies, you know, basketball wasn't their best sport or maybe their favorite sport, but that's what you did is you, you played those multi-sports you know, I played football, played baseball, wasn't my best or favorite sport, but you did that because that's what you had to do to, to, feel the most competitive team and just seeing those guys, how emotional they were made me emotional. And um, it just shows how much that, you know, everyone cared and, you know, how much time and effort you put into it. Cause it wasn't just that year. It was, you know, like I said, leading from third grade all the way up to your senior year, it was a lot of memories, a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears that went into it. So it was very emotional afterwards and something I'll never forget. I always think back to, I think for me, like ending my high school football career was probably the toughest for me emotionally, just because like you said, I mean, knew I was going to go play college. And, and so like the game was still going to be there, but it's like when you hang up or take off the pads, because you know, it's the last time, uh, you know, and we're never just going to go out and throw the pads back on. And so um, it's always an emotional feeling, like you said, with being with the people that, uh, that you spent the last four, you know, plus years with. And so, um, playing, playing in college, how, how did that go? Uh, so you're, you know, you graduated in 2000, what did recruitment look like? Did you play? It was, was club basketball AU. Is that something that you did in the summer? What do you remember, um, about your college recruitment? Yeah, the, the club AU thing was was very interesting, very fun, because you talk also about some lifelong memories. Um, we started just as a small group. Um, 
of just some uh, neighboring kids um, like Casey Pelzer, Mitch Kennedy. And as we just kept growing older, we, we picked up some kids from Eastern Iowa, you know, uh, Nick Harthorn from Linville Sully, Matt Barron from HLV. And because there was just the Martin brothers AAU program that was in the state. And so it was kind of fun for us as we kept building our AAU team. Um, as I think going into my junior year, we won um, the Iowa region. Um, we went to qualified for nationals a couple of years and it's just small time kids, you know, all of us played one A or two A basketball. And, um, you know, we talk about kids that had the chemistry cause you know, we've been playing together for so long and it's, it's you know, kind of different than AAU scene now. Um, where kids play on different teams or bounce around a little bit. But again, those are some lifelong memories. Um, recruitment was very interesting for me um, because this is before social media and all those different things. And uh, my junior year, um, that I just remember that it was like July 1st, whatever, the first time they can get calls. You know, I had SEC schools calling, Big 10, Big 12 schools calling, but they really didn't know much other than I could just score. And I was, you know, a six foot five kid from Iowa. Um, then going into my senior year, it kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, I honestly don't know why, but um, going into my senior year, I just kind of felt like um, one of my big uh, heroes growing up was Kerry Cohorn from Tri Center, and he was kind of the you know under recruited. And I just remember his senior year, he, he dropped fifty nine points on a school called Elkhorn Kimbleton, and some freshman stayed away trying to guard from him, but you know, he's a special player. But after that, that's when Nebraska started coming in. And so I kind of thought in my mind too, is, well, that that's the same thing will happen for me. And it's like you mentioned, I dropped 54, 47 and the division one calls uh, did not come. You know, I had quite a few um, walk-on offers, um, but then the division two started coming and, you know, I'm like most uh, typical kids, you know, D one or bust. And then the more and more I looked in division two, I'm like, you know, Hey, this could really fit me. And, you know, I wanted to play right away. I didn't want to do the walk on route where, you know, you're kind of a practice dummy and, you know, might not have a chance to play. And um, so I actually committed to, to Morningside and funny story is um I went to Morningside my first year and the first month we're there, um, there's some rumblings around campus. And then all of a sudden we find out the new president is changing all the athletics from division two to NAIA. And we're all like, what, what are we going to do? So I met with the head coach, decided to um, redshirt, but that group that we had was a very special group. Um, we played Iowa state in an exhibition game and that's when they had Jamal Tinsley. They were two seed and we took them to overtime Um but then, you know, after that season, we had 17 guys on the team and 15 of them transferred. Um, you know, you had Matt Steinerman going to UNI, Dusty Wadlington went to Denver, Derek Pabin went to USD. I mean, uh, uh, Andrew Drevo went to Nebraska. So we all just split up. Um, me and one of my, my roommate actually went to Wayne State in, in uh, Wayne, Nebraska. I was between Wayne State and Northwest Missouri State and, um, but, you know, decided Wayne State was the best spot for me. And, you know, looking back, that was a, a really great decision for me. And a, the cool part about going to Wayne is we had so many guys from Iowa on that team. And um, so it was fun playing at Wayne for four years and, you know, building lifelong relationships with guys that, you know, they're in your wedding or guys you still talk to, you know, weekly or daily or whatever. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of a unique recruitment, but, you know, I have no regrets, you know, the four years I had at Wayne and the career I had at Wayne and the, the relationships that I built there. So along this, along this journey, is anywhere in the back of your head, do you know, have you already decided that coaching is ultimately the path or when, when does the, when does the, okay, the playing days are eventually going to have to come to an end. What am I going to do? Were, were you a realist about it or, or what were, what was your thinking? 
the, the coaching part came in about third grade. Okay. <laughs> I always had, that was kind of my, I remember, you know, in, in middle school and guidance class or in English, when you had to, you know, your career, what's your future career? It was always college basketball coach, always college basketball coach. My senior year, um, I had quite a few discussions with our head coach, Rico Burkett, um, about number one, playing overseas. Um, I kind of was against that because I, I just didn't want to go over to a new country where I just, you know, by myself, didn't know anybody. And um, I guess I'm kind of more of a homebody that way. And, but then he had a lot of discussions with me about being a GA. He wanted me to stay at Wayne, you know, keep, keep being on the staff. Um, I think he respected my basketball knowledge. And um, so then my dad came in, we, we had some conversations and he's like, you know, I get it. You want to be a college basketball coach, but if, if you want to be a great college basketball coach, you gotta learn how to teach. And so he said, if you want to learn how to teach, you're going to have to teach at the high school level, not only in the classroom, but also um, basketball wise. And um, so I went that route and, you know, at the high school level, after my first year, I had some GA um, opportunities that that kind of fell through my second year. I was offered one, um, turned it down because I just met my wife and we were dating. Um, I had some flirtations with some other division two assistant jobs, but um, but yeah, I mean, coaching has been in my blood. Um, not only was my dad a coach, but my mom comes from a very long line of, of coaches of very successful high school uh, football coaches. So yeah, it's always been in my blood. So uh, basically third grade. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. That's, uh, and awesome too. When you have that such clarification and deter- determination at such a young age, but, um, so then, so, so as a player, um, did you take any of that into consideration when you were kind of looking at schools and potential programs as far as from staffs? Um, obviously, you're always kind of looking for fit, like you mentioned, uh, a place where you can play right away and do some of the same stuff as a player. Uh, but did that ever hit your radar where you're like, you know what, I want to make I want to make sure that I'm going and I'm also learning um, the coaching side of things as well? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, little known fact, I mean, how many coaches um, have been GAs at Wayne that have been successful? I mean, everyone knows about Greg McDermott. Um, I was not a player when he was a coach there, but his coaching tree is so enormous of not, not only just division one coaches, um, but division two coaches. Um, a lot of those guys started at Wayne as GAs. And, um, so it was kind of a joke that, you know, kind of Wayne was a hotbed for up and coming coaches. And, um, so yeah, that was part of it, but it wasn't a huge part because more, I was more thinking just the player part of, you know, what's the best fit playing time, things like that. But, but I do, I didn't know that, you know, with Greg McDermott, what, what he built Wayne state up to that it would be a nice, um, way for me to learn the game of basketball, both as a player and as a coach. Yeah. And that's huge. That's invaluable. That's for sure. But okay. So the playing days get done then. So what was the actual next step? So then when you graduated from Wayne or did you have uh, a, your degree in education or what was, um, what did that look like for you? Yep. I had a a degree in math education and um, I actually put my name out there like in January, Um, Adelto Soto Minburn and ironically Waukee were the the two schools that um, I put my application into and I got interviews at both those places um, I found out I was one of two finalists at both of those spots. Uh, the one that got the Waukee job was a lady that had 15 years of experience. So me being the newbie, uh, went to ADM um, and I was able to be uh, an assistant uh, men's basketball coach there. Um, and then ironically, you know, you get down there during the summer and you're working with the basketball guys. Uh, I ran into the football coach. He's like, hey, we have a, a freshman football job open I'm like, well, I, I played eight man football in high school. Um, I played a ton of PlayStation NCA football in college. 
yeah, sure. Why not? I'll coach football. And, um, after the first year, he promoted me to, to varsity, um, offensive coordinator. And I really think that was probably the biggest part of my development as a coach, as a basketball coach was being a football coach, um, at ADM, I was one of the first, um, football programs to really install the, the no huddle spread um, offense. And I really just drew it up from dirt. I mean, I learned from all my mistakes and practice and games. Um, and I was, I think football coach about six or seven years in my final year there, we made it to the dome, lost in the semifinals. Um, but of my six years, the varsity offensive coordinator, we made playoffs five times. And um, I was just really proud of, of how I was able to grow as a coach to learn how to how to teach something I didn't know a whole lot about, how to really study and analyze film, how to break down tendencies of defenses. And um, like I said, that really helped me um, now in my career as a, as a basketball coach. Isn't that amazing how that works when you, um, and I always say this too, and always encourage, you know, to, to coach different levels, um, to coach both boys and girls, you know, like you said, to coach a sport that maybe you don't know quite as well of because, uh, it, it helps you communicate better. And like when it's something that you've always done, like I've always been a basketball coach, like it's easy to forget things and to overlook certain things. Um, you know, and if you always only coach really talented players, like you forget some of the basics and the fundamentals. And so it's amazing on how going and coaching, like you said, something um, that you maybe didn't know as much about probably just catapulted you in your career because of your communication. And I'm learning right now, my son's in third grade and I'm coaching his team and I'm learning from him. You know, some of the things that we're implementing or talking about the same thing that we talk about with our high schoolers. And like you said, you hit, you hit the nail on the head. There is you, you got to coach. It doesn't matter what the level doesn't matter. You know, what gender coach is a coach. And, you know, some of the best coaches are at the youth level. You know, it's not just the pro coaches or college coaches. There's great coaches everywhere, but you just got to coach. I mean, there's nothing that um, can really replace the experience you get of just coaching the game. Absolutely. So then from Adele, then where, what was the next stop for you? Yeah. So um, at ADM, I was assistant boys for a while. Then I, I turned over to be the, the head girls. I wanted to you know, run my own program and um, I really didn't want to leave ADM, um, but Creston um, came calling. Uh, they were looking for a head boys basketball coach and um, the, the timing was just right. And I, I, I wanted to be back on the boys side of it and, you know, running my own program and, um, so I went down there, interviewed, um, before I even got to the, the parking lot, they offered me the job. Um, I accepted right away. I didn't really talk to my wife a whole lot about it, but, um, but I was there for a year. Um, just great people down there. Um, we, we had a lot of success down there cause we, we had a really, um, senior class that really bought into the things we were trying to do and, um, lost a heartbreaker to Harlan and in, in the tournaments. Um, but that was just a great year of just, a, again, the relationships we built there and, um, it was a little difficult cause we were still living in West Des Moines. So I had an hour commute, um, every day. So you can imagine, and like you said, I'm a gym rat. Um, in, in the fall, I open up the gym at six 30 every morning. So I was leaving West Des Moines by five just to make sure it was open. And, um, that was four or five days a week. And, you know, sometimes it was me and two or three players, but my, my thing is always, is, as long as one player's there, I'll open up the gym. Um, but so I was at Creston for one year and, um, that spring, um, Matt Merkin, um, who was a, an assistant coach at Wayne State when I was a player, um, he's was the head coach and still the head coach at Minot State in Minot, North Dakota. Again, he knew my lifelong dream of, of being a college basketball coach. And he, he gave me a call and said, hey, I've got this second assistant position they just created. And I mean, I want you. I mean, this is perfect for you. And um, 
had a, a lot of discussions with my wife and um, it was a 12 hour uh, move, um, but we decided, you know, this is, I just want to have any regrets of not ever doing it or trying it. And um, it was a great experience up there, you know, working with Matt, but also just, you know, those college basketball players, you know, working with them day in and day out and um, only lasted their year. Um, we decided, you know, to move back to central Iowa and um, fortunate enough uh, when I came back to central Iowa, Norwalk had a, a teaching position because um, we want to get back back around the Des Moines area. And I was fortunate to be with Chris Larson for a year. I was um, helped him with, with the varsity, but also the head freshman coach. Um, so yeah, got to spend a year with him. And ironically, after our last game um, at Norwalk, we, we lost in the tournaments. Um, my planning period the next day, I get a phone call and I, I answer it. And it's the superintendent um, at Indianola and saying, Hey, we have a, a head boys basketball job, not advertised or anything. And um, we've heard a lot of good things about you. And we, you know, we would like you to apply. And I was just shell shocked. And so of course, first thing I do is call Chris and say, Hey, you know, can we sit down and talk? And, um, I went to his, um, office after that school day. And he's like, no, you, you got to do it. Like you're a head coach. And, um, so I spent four years in Enola and, um, just had a great time and, you know, just kept growing as a coach and was, you know, able to meet a lot of great people. Um, and also just some, um, be able to coach a lot of great players in a, in a really good conference, a little Hawkeye conference. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll, we'll get to the Indianola here a little bit more. But uh, so I always got to ask anyone that's had the opportunity to coach um, both the boys and the girls, what, what do you think the biggest difference between coaching high school boys and coaching high school girls is? Um, girls, listen, girls, listen, a heck of a lot better. Um, I, I, I always compare it to like you say, Hey, run through that wall. A girl will do it. They won't ask why or anything where a boy will kind of, you know, well, why, like, does this coach know it or not? Uh, but the bottom line is, is they're all human beings and you, you got to treat them the right way. You've got to build those relationships first. Um, I always talk about, you know, I want to have a, a philosophy of love tough. I want to love the kids first, but I'll still also be tough on them. Um, and I think that applies to both girls and boys. Um, but just the game's a lot different uh, between girls and boys. And I just think uh, my personality, the way that I want to coach uh, fits the boys game a lot better. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you 100%. I mean, I've always said that uh, the girls are much more coachable. They're willing to listen to you. Um, they're willing to buy in a lot easier and quicker than the boys will. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it's different because they don't, they don't uh, watch or as invested in the game quite as much as the boys. And so you, you spend some more time spending on some different things, but uh, definitely again, going full circle back to our point that we mentioned earlier, worth it to spend some time on both sides because you're going to learn some things about yourself and about your coaching philosophy that uh, will definitely benefit you moving forward. Um, and same thing. So, so with college, what, what do you think was the biggest transition um, going to the college game from the high school? And what did you pick up probably the most at your time in college? Yeah. Um, it, you know, I, first of all, you know, my dream to be a college basketball coach, it was always, cause I just want to do basketball 24 seven. You know, I mentioned how much, you know, I study, love the game or whatever. Um, but it's not that way at the college level. Yes. Your, your job is basketball. Um, but ironically, you know, um, over Christmas break at a, a um, great conversation with Fran McCaffrey. And he mentioned it's such a business and it was so right. Like it's so much, I mean, you recruit every single day and which I loved, I loved, you know, talking to kids all over um, the nation, you know, especially at Minot, we were recruiting kids from Arizona to Illinois to everywhere. Um, but, you know, 
basketball for me, like I, I like having the control. I like being the head coach and at, at the second assistant, at division two school, it was kind of just did a lot of the grunt work, which again, I didn't mind. And I, I understood. Um, but I really like being the head coach, having your own program, um, you know, not having to recruit your own guys, just having to develop those kids and, you know, building those relationships longer than just a year or two of recruiting. Um, but the other part of it is it's, it's, it's definitely, you're getting your masters. I mean, you think about all the different teams you're playing against the different personnel that you're going against learning just different strategies, not only that you have to implement, but what other people are doing. Um, and I felt absolutely fell in love with synergy. Um, that that's the, the, the video program they do. It just breaks down every single thing from every college team, every NBA team. Um, so me being a video junkie too, is just all the access to every team you can watch just with a click of a button. Um, so it, it was yeah, obviously it grew me both as a person, as a coach. And, um, and like I said, I have no regrets of, of my time in the, the college level. And, um, the best part of it is, is just, you can remember the, the memories with the guys and the relationships you still have with them. Yeah. And I, I think the biggest, obviously the speed of the game, the strength of the game, there's a lot of things that go into it, but when you boil all the way down to the details and the fundamentals, uh, again, kind of to our point, isn't it amazing how much the game is still the same and you kind of do the same things at that level that you're probably doing with your third grade, third grade son. Uh -huh. Hundred percent. It still comes down to fundamentals. Um, it's just at a different um, level at the Division Two level, which is the size of the athletes. You know, like you said, how quick they are. And um, Coach Merkin had a, a good analogy. Um, when you look at the di different divisions, you know, everyone's Division One or bust or whatever. But Division One, the game is played above the square, where Division Two is kind of above the rim, and now in Division Three or you know, right at the rim or below, which is not a knock at all because vice versa, the skill level, NAI division three, I, I truly believe that's the most skilled players that you're going to see, you know, guys that can all handle it, shoot it, you know, pass cut, just really know the game of basketball. Um, whereas, you know, some of the division one players just rely so much on their athleticism, you know, because they can and always had to, but man, I mean, just the, the skill level, as you go down the, the college ranks is just unbelievable. And that's why people got to appreciate it. And as much as you can't get to as many games as it, you know, you got to forget about just the label of division one. There's so much good basketball out there at those lower levels and really good players and really good coaches that you got to really appreciate. Yeah, that's a very good and valid point. And I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, it's, um, it's amazing. The, the, I feel like the, even in today's game, the gap too, that's getting a little bit, you know, more between those levels. And as far as the skills um, and the athleticism as those guys at the D one level are just, so athletic and they rely so heavily on that athletic ability and if you don't have that athletic ability a lot of times you struggle um and it doesn't always necessarily mean that you're a bad basketball player it's just maybe the right fit and and then as you go down um you're starting to see some more athletes at the division three level mixed in with some of those skilled guys and so it's just it is it's fun it's great for the game um it, definitely enjoy to watch all right so what was the what was your one big takeaway uh uh coaching with coach larson then at norwalk um, and not only how to run a program, but more importantly, just how to be a man. Um, I, I think I fairly grew just as a person, um, just learned a lot from him, the way that, um, way he handled himself both on and off the floor and, um, the way that he treated players and how he got just everyone to buy in, uh, buy into their roles. And, um, he was really big about the culture and, um, I always felt that it was a buzzword, but just being around him and just understanding, you know, how important that is to build your program. And, um, we had a lot of, you know, just deep conversations, not as basketball coaches, but also as men. And, um, like I said, I'm very fortunate to, to 
to call him a friend and for our uh, past to cross. And um, like I said, I learned a lot more as a man than it is a coach. And I learned a ton of, from him to, uh, how to run a program. So um, a lot of respect for him as uh, who he is as a guy. So then you get to Indianola job. Um, it had been a while since you'd been a head coach. Was there, was there a moment uh, moving up to that first chair where you, you kind of had a, Oh man, that's right. I, I'm, I'm the head guy now. Uh, not as much, uh, just kind of my personality. Um, you know, Chris gave me uh, full reins with the freshmen. So I, I kind of ran that, like I was a varsity coach, um, for good or bad. I mean, again, that's just kind of my personality. Um, the biggest thing just at Indianola just right away was just, just change the culture, um, just change, uh, that, you know, they experienced, you know, a few rough seasons and, um, the guys are kind of down on themselves. I just kind of remember the, the first conversations and meetings I had with those guys as, you know, the girls program was rolling down there and, um, they felt kind of just embarrassed that, you know, the fans would show up for the girls game. They'd leave by half times of the boys game. And, um, just trying to get that spark and that enthusiasm for basketball back for them was kind of my main objective to to start off the program there. And you did uh, as as things were rolling. You said four years down in Indianola. Is that correct? Yep, four years. And uh, I, I know there towards the end, um, you know, in your last couple of years, uh, started having things move in the right direction. And obviously this year they're having a nice a nice season down there. Um, and so, so then let's talk a little bit about the transition. So obviously it felt like a pretty decent fit. Um, but then the Northwest job comes calling. And so what, what, what was it about you, uh, wanting or willing and ready to make the change? Yeah, I, I was not looking to move at all, 100%, to be honest. Um, I had a conversation um, with, with a, a mentor coach of mine and, and didn't even ask, but he, you know, he's just you know, talking about basketball and he's like, hey, Northwest job is open. I, I really think you'd be a great fit for there. Um, I think they'd, you know, they would want you. And I was kind of like, well, I'm, I'm happy to here in Indianola. And he's like, you know, I, I think this is the next step for you. And I'm like, oh, all right. Well, I went home and, you know, people don't always realize is to get a coaching job. There also has to be an open teaching job. And so that was my first thing is, okay, well, I'll, I'll just go on, you know, the Waukee website and see if they have a teaching job open. Well, lo and behold, they did. So I thought, well, maybe there's a little destiny to this. So I thought, okay, they have a head boys basketball job and a teaching job for me. So um, I'll just throw my hat in the ring. And um, I remember um, after I did that, it, the most difficult part was, was my conversation with Lee Nelson, um, the activities director at Indiola, just to, to even tell them that I, I applied somewhere else because I loved it there. I mean, I, I loved working for him. I, I loved the guys there. I loved the you know assistant coaches, the, the things we had going there. Um, but just the conversations I had with a lot of people is, you know, Joaquin Northwest was just the job. I, it, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for me to pursue. And, you know, I didn't know how far it would get or, you know, where it was, but the more and more I got to, to know the administration at, at Northwest. And I really got to know Justin Ole more on a personal level, uh, more than just, you know, coach, uh, coach versus coach. Um, I just felt like it was a great fit and um, the interview process went really well and they offered me the job and um, I accepted. And th th then the hardest part was, was telling any, all the guys, um, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time together and I, I knew they had a really, really talented group and they're having a really, really good uh, season this year. And, but just to tell them that, you know, I was going somewhere else, you know, it felt like a, a really bad breakup, but, um, but I think everything's, you know, happens for a reason. And I feel very fortunate and blessed to be at, at Waukee Northwest. Um, 
uh, you know, I had a conversation, other podcasts about you, what's your dream job? And without hesitation, it's Waukee Northwest. Um, I think it's been a really good fit for me and a really good fit. Um, I think for the players. And, um, so like I said, I, I think it all just happened for the right reason. And, um, I miss Indianola, but I, I feel really happy to be at Waukee Northwest. I thought maybe Lee Nelson was one of the reasons why you left Indianola. I wasn't sure if working for him was, was, uh, was all that easy. <laughs> I, it's, it's the, the best part about leaving Lee Nelson is that I don't have to hear all about his gambling winnings. I mean, it's yeah. just amazing how that guy just, he, he knows his golf. He knows how to pick all the winners and, but he doesn't share it with anybody else. So, no. I mean, he loves just to do it himself, but no, um, we talked off air, like, you know, he and I talked almost every day. Um, you know, during my planning period, I'd go down there, he'd come up to my room and, um, I really miss those daily conversations, but you know, he's still just a phone call away and, um, talk about a great guy that's really leading the, all the Indianola programs down there. I mean, he does a hell of a job and very fortunate to, to be able to learn from him. And actually he was my, uh, a volunteer assistant my last year there. And, um, I really got, uh, um, had a lot of fun with him just to have more of those experience in the locker room. And, you know, some of those things you do scouting, things like that, and having more at practice was, was really special. Yeah, we were actually, I talked with him a little bit um, with that Northwest job and kind of through some of the process and everything. And uh, he, he told me, he's like, well, he's like, if, if Brett's interviewing, it doesn't matter who else is interviewing. And so he, he felt pretty confident that uh, that job was yours and that nobody else really had a chance. And so that obviously speaks highly to what he thought of you and uh, what you were able to do down there at, at uh, Indianola as well. And so um, so, so bringing us now, you know, we're only halfway through, but, uh, I would, I would have to feel like you kind of feel good about where you're settling in. Um, obviously the decision you made and then, uh, ultimately here moving forward, what's, what's the continued goal for the program? Um, you know, what is it something that, uh, you really want to know, uh, have Northwest be kind of known for here? Yeah, I mean, uh, I know it might be uh, a coach cliche, but it all comes down to our core values. Um, we, we really just harp on our kids all the time, um, what those core values are. And um, and that's what we just want to keep building um, championship people, both on and off the floor. And um, really bought into, you know, talk about my time in Indianola. Um, John Fitzpatrick's also is a big influence of mine. Um, and we talk a lot about just the present moment of just, you know, where our feet are at. Can we get better every day? Not look too far ahead, not look backwards, but can we just get better every single day? And that's what's been so special about this group is they've bought into, I do a lot of different quirky things um, on the basketball side and um, they bought into all those things. And um, hopefully they've helped, um, you know, we call them marginal gains, just trying to be 1% better. And um, that's really what our focus is, is can we just keep getting better and um, I feel like we've done that from the beginning of the year and um, we've got, you know, quite a bit of the season still to play, but we, we, we got a lot of things we still got to get better on, but um, I like the focus of our group and especially the work ethic they're putting in um, on and off the floor. So yeah, just uh, it's a coaching cliche, but just trying to get better every day is really our, our goal at all levels. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then uh, so obviously Waukee and the kids and the talent um, is there, but you know, to add to a unique situation with the split and going to two high schools. Um, and so ultimately kind of starting fresh, um, obviously some of the names and some of the guys will, we know and recognize, but, uh, from, 
I mean, you're building a program from, from basically from the start. So what's that like as far as for you and some of the goals uh, for, from the youth clubs and anything that you kind of have here moving forward, you know, really in this next kind of three to five year window? Yeah, I mean, just just right away, the unique part is, you know, we only had two guys that had ever put on a varsity uniform before this year. And one of our starters was playing intramurals last year of just, you know, with Waukee being combined with so many, you know, students with COVID last year, they, you know, they restrict the number of people at practice, so on and so forth. So really getting a lot of those kids acquainted to CIML basketball. And then you start off with Valley and Waukee. And um, so we're baptized by fire right away, but I was really proud of how those kids responded um, at the varsity level. Um, but then you talk about the lower levels, especially the, the, the youth level. Um, one thing we've in, implemented right away is um, before they've kind of, they did a youth league and which there's benefits to that. But instead what, what we've done is we teamed up with uh, the girls basketball program and we do skill development Um I just wanted, you know, I wanted something open to the high level kids, but also the beginner kids of just skills, 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 skills. Um, and so we do those on Sunday nights and um, just really getting the kids in the gym and just, you know, it's the same thing we talked about in Indianola, same thing at Northwest is like, there's no secret to success. It's all just the dirt, the hard, dirty work. Like you've got to put in the time, you got to get uncomfortable. You've got to be consistent. And so we just kind of want to build those habits as young as possible. And, um, it, it, you know, it might take a while, but I'll tell you, especially at the varsity level, we got buy-in right away. And I remember our first summer workout, um, you know, we get done with the workout and all right, you know, bringing in guys and every single one of the players, said, thank you, coach. And I, I, I was just shocked. I'm like, whoa, whoa, no, thank you. Like you're the guys putting in all the work, but um, it says a lot about their character and just, you know, how, um, how hungry they are and that sense of urgency to be, you know, to be really good as to, to, to thank a coach for a workout. I was just shocked. And I thought and that meant a lot to me. And um, like I said, that's part of being a really good fit is, you know, they bought into the workouts and just uh, the time that we put into it. Yeah, that, uh, that goes a long way. Like I said, that's kind of usually the first hurdle and the hardest hurdle is to get that buy-in. Um, from there, you can kind of teach them what you want to teach them. Uh, along those lines, obviously, a, a scorer, a shooter yourself growing up, um, is it something where you, you guys pride yourself on, on the offensive side of the ball and trying to be able to get up and down and get some buckets up? Or, uh, or what, what uh, schematically, what are you guys kind of leaning towards here? Yeah. I mean, I, I can't lie. I mean, I, I, I love the offensive side of it. You know, I mentioned I was football. I was on the offensive side of it. And, um, but yeah, I, we do like to push the basketball. Um, to me though, it's not more about, you know, how many points do we score or this, it's all about efficiency. You know, are we getting what we call, you know, uh, big advantage shots each and every time. And, um, it goes back to that, you know, present moment, the process, are we getting the shots that we want? Not necessarily are they going in or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, we spent a ton, a ton of time of shooting, you know, in practice, um, outside of the season. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty biased, but I feel like that's the number one fundamental in the game of basketball. Um, as you know, if you can put five shooters out there, I mean, that's the way the game is trending. Um, then you, ha you have a chance. And, and so, you know, we spent a lot of time with that. We spent a lot of time with our spacing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, offense is kind of where um, I spent a lot of our time, a lot of our focus on. And um, not that we neglect defense, but I mean, I, I look a lot on the offensive side, not, uh, to be honest with you. Yep. No, absolutely. And you have to be able to score the ball in the CIML to be able to have a chance too. So um, before we jump into rapid fire, who, 
your dad your biggest coaching mentor or who who are who are some of the mentors that kind of got you to this point and uh, helped kind of shape your coaching philosophy yeah I mean I definitely got to start with my father um you know like I said I've been around the game of basketball I mean I I remember you know as as a young varsity head coach or sorry a, a inexperienced varsity head coach just the time that my dad spent um you know buying videotapes reading different things you know this is before the internet where you know basketball stuff's just available everywhere is you know just seeing how much time and uh, money he invested you know learning the game of basketball and like I said I come from Elkhorn Kimbleton I mentioned uh, Mitch Osborne but you know Steve Pelzer was a very successful coach that started Elkhorn Kimbleton Carl Cohorn Carey's um, father started at Elkhorn Kimmelton. Uh, Tony Peterson was a very successful girls basketball coach at Elkhorn Kimmelton. Rod Hoig um, before him was a very successful one. So there was a lot of successful coaches just um, at Elkhorn that I was able to be around and, and have an influence with. Um, but then other than that, like now, like I said, with the internet, there's so much stuff out there. I'm not going to give too much of the secrets, but there's a lot of guys that um, I follow and study a lot. And um, it's just so readily available that it's good and bad. I spent a lot of time on that, but it, it's fun just to see the different ideas and get your brain thinking and um, try to implement different, you know, things that you're seeing out there. Yeah, I think that's uh, both on the coach and the player side of things. It seems like, I mean, any workout for any skill or anything that you want to do, it's out there. Um, and it's just all about interpretation from that point and what you what you do with it. It can either be a, a good thing or a bad thing sometimes. But uh, all right, coach. Well, we uh, before we can let you get out of here, for sure, we have to do a little rapid fire. We always end our podcast with rapid fire. And so I'm going to shoot some questions your way. Um, and then uh, just give me the first thing that kind of comes to your head. Sounds great. All right. So being uh, both a player and a coach, this first one I want, I want to, but favorite visiting gym or arena, both as a player and as a coach. So visiting gym or arena, someplace that uh, was either cool or you remember vividly, or you just shot really well in that gym or whatever it was. Favorite, favorite visiting gym and arena. Let's start with your playing days and then tell us one uh, uh, throughout your coaching um, path as well. Yeah, uh, playing, I, I've already mentioned vets, but that's not going to be my answer. Um, this could be both as a player and a coach because this is a, a gym in the Northern Sun uh, Conference. So I've been there both as a player and a coach, but it's Wachs, W-A-C-H-S Arena in Aberdeen, South Dakota, home of the Northern State Wolves. Um, so as a player, um, people don't realize this, but you know it's an 8,000-seat arena, but they would get 3,000 people to every game. And that, you know, for the last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years, they led division two in attendance, but not only that they've out, you know, have had more fans than so many division one schools. I don't know the exact number. It has to be at least 50, 75 people. So not only you've got 3000 people there, you've got a, a couch that are right underneath the basket. There's drunk football players that are right on the sidelines. You know, you can smell their alcohol off their breath when you take the ball out of bounds. So they're just in your grill the whole time. Then when I was playing, you look on the other sideline, it's Don Meyer, the, the Don Meyer. And I'll never forget the last time we played against them as we were going through the line. Um, he stopped me personally and just said, you know, hey, I really respect what you do as a player, you know, like your game or the way you understand or whatever. And that that's something I will always, always remember. Just a compliment from the Don Meyer um, meant a lot to me. So um, playing in that arena was just was just amazing with all those fans that were always into it. Um, and, you know, Don Meyer coach team were always, you know, very well prepared, very fundamental. And 
Um, I actually had some, some pretty good games up there as a player, not really as a team, um, but walks arena would, would be my answer for that. That's awesome. That's why well, I love basketball and love this, doing this podcast is we always get different, uh, different answers and great stories that come with it. Um, and that's a good one. All right. Uh, do you have any game day superstitions, something that you have to do on game day? Um, I, I don't know if this is really a superstition, but I, I, I fast, I, I don't eat the entire day. Um, I didn't realize this, but coach old told me that Rick Patino does the same thing. So, um, Rick Patino is a heck of a coach. So if it, if it does works for him, I guess it works for me, but I had read some somewhere that these chess masters, when they go in these tournaments, they don't eat. It helps their um, brain to think or whatever. So I've kind of adopted that. So if you call that a superstition, um, I don't believe in superstitions. I believe in consistency. So I'm consistent on game days of, of not any, eating anything, just drinking water the whole day. I like it. No, I like it. I like the thought behind that too. So that's the first. Um, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. End of debate. And, I, and I, that's fun as you know, as a teacher, some kids want to bring it up. And if anyone wants to debate me, I always say what you have to do is look up defensive awards and it's over. There's no debate. It's Michael Jordan. I love it. That's great. Uh, favorite sports movie. Hoosiers. Yeah. yeah. Hoosiers. I mean, I, I know it's a classic, but uh, the thing I love most about Hoosiers is it's really a movie about culture. You know, you look at the coach there and just how he developed that culture and um, how he just, you know, set his standards, um, had some accountability. Um, yeah. Hoosiers is an easy answer there. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, all right. Spent a lot of, spent a lot of days out on the hardwood. Do you have a, a favorite basketball shoe? Yeah. Yeah. I was a big fab five fan, uh, back in, you know, the old Michigan days and they had these, I think they called the air force maxes. They were black, um, with the gray swoosh. Uh, I never had a pair, but man, those were my favorite ones. I was a huge fab five fan. I'm not going to talk about my long shorts and black socks that I wore, but those, those air force maxes they had were, were legit. Yeah. That, uh, that was, that was quite the look and very, uh, very impactful, especially in that era. Um, of, of players all around. So that's a good, a good answer. Um, all right. So maybe familiarizing yourself a little bit with Waukee, but you've been in central Iowa for a while. So, uh, best, best place to, uh, grab a bite to eat either, either before or after a good, uh, a good Northwest win. Um, our family is a, f- a huge fan of Waukee of cued of cued barbecue. We, we love the barbecue and um, it's kind of difficult to know always when they're open. Um, but it doesn't matter if it's my 18 month old all the way to me and my wife, but we love cued. We love their, their barbecue food they have there, especially the burnt ends. So um, that'd be a place that I would recommend going to eat. I've heard uh, the chicken Mac. Have you had the chicken Mac from cued yet? That's uh, I have not. I have not. That's one of the ones I haven't either. So, uh, but that's what everyone keeps telling me is I got to go there and try the chicken Mac. So, uh, um, so, but I have to put that on the list too. All right. Two more coach. We'll get you out of here. Obviously shooters touch. Um, you've had it since a young age. What is, uh, what does it mean? What does it mean if somebody uh, has the shooters touch in your mind? Yeah. What it means to me is it's the unseen hours. Um, you know, we talk about anyone that's a shooter, you know, there's a debate. Is it, are you born with it? Um, is it made? I, I truly believe this is my personal philosophy is shooters are made. And if you have that shooters touch, that means you have put in just countless amount of hours that the non-shooters don't understand. Um, you know, I mentioned, you know, open up the gym for guys at six in the morning. Uh, my high school routine was I got up every morning at six 30. I remember I missed one time and like, 
like five or six year span because I missed my alarm and my dad was so concerned like something was emergency at home or whatever and so having that shooter's touch means you've put in the time you know I talk about that hard dirty work it's you know getting in there getting a good workout in getting a good sweat in um, I just feel like if you got that shooter's touch if you put in so many hours that the the public the other people don't see or understand so that's what it means to me to have that shooter's touch I agree. Absolutely. And it, it's something too. I always say that, I mean, we can, everyone can become a shooter. Um, we all aren't going to be able to be a hundred yard, a uh, hundred meter sprinter like that. That is, that's more of a made and some, some God given abilities, but we can all learn to shoot the basketball. It's just technique. And like you said, a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of hard work, uh, but we can, we can all get there. So that was, that's great. All right, coach, last one, a little bit of loaded question. We'll get you out of here. But uh, what's what's the best thing uh, about having the opportunity to be the head coach at Waukee Northwest? Uh, I've just I love the fit. Um, I, I feel like Waukee is a very competitive um, community um, all the way from the administration down to the players, parents. And I feel that um, that's kind of my biggest strength is just how competitive and how much I just want to compete in everything that we do. And um, the buy-in has been just awesome from day one because, you know, the parents, the community administration, they want the best. They want to be the best and they, they want to compete. They want to, um, you know, do the best to everything that they do. And um, I've just really uh, just embraced and appreciated just the competitive nature that it's in the classroom, it's in the, the gym, it's in the football field, it's in the weight room. Um, so I just really have, have just loved the competitive nature of everything. Well, that's great, Coach, and uh, we're excited for you, um, excited for this new opportunity. We'll obviously continue to follow along in your journey, and I uh, can't wait to watch the Northwest program continue to grow um, and the success that you guys are able to have. We appreciate you taking some time coming on, telling your short story, sharing a little bit with us, um, and best of luck here, not only in the remainder of this year, but uh, as you move forward. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate all that you and Brian and Adam are doing in the troopers. Um, you guys do an unbelievable job for Iowa high school basketball, the, the promoting you do with that. And um, we, I appreciate that as a, as a high school coach and, and keep doing what you're doing. And um, it's been my honor to talk with you tonight. Absolutely. We'll keep it up. And as always, shoot a shoot. Shooters, we've got to give a quick shout out to Greenline Design Company. Jacob over there was the one that helped bring shooting Santa and shooting Shamrock to life. Did a great job, it was a lot of fun to work with. Super easy, super professional, and so a uh, big shout out to them. If you wanna reach them, it's greenlinedesignco.com is the best way to see the rest of his work. Um, we appreciate him and helping us out. Um, look to help him out as well. If there's anybody else that you know we can continue to help support or would like to support us here at the Shooter's Touch, we'd love to hear about it. Let us know, as always, Shooter's Shoot.